Welcome to episode 10 of Decoding Cannabis, the podcast in which we're trying to decode the mystery behind the magical properties of marijuana. I'm your host, Erez Batat, founder of Consciousness Research Institute in Spokane, Washington. And today, yet again, I have an individual, a friend of mine, who has been struggling with marijuana addiction. Um, last episode, I spoke to Justin about marijuana addiction, and when I posted the episode online, I received quite a few comments from people telling me that marijuana addiction does not exist. Um, and so I'm going to be focusing on this topic for a little while, and I want to welcome you, Jeremy, into the show. Welcome to Deconi Cannabis. Why, thank you. Where are you located right now, Jeremy? I am in Carson City, Nevada. Now, Nevada uh, has not legalized marijuana. And yes, yes no, they, they have? Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, a, they went with uh, medical and now have recreational. It is legal in Nevada. Get out of here. So even in Nevada, you can walk. I don't know why. I just kind of assume being a red state and all. Um, it turned blue. blue. You guys turned blue? Really? Wow. Yeah. Shows how out of it I am. I used to live in Nevada, so I guess I have preconceived notions. Transformational reality. So you can walk into a store now in Nevada and buy weed. Yep, absolutely. How's the, the, uh, you even charge tax? Well, <laughs> I think that's why they're doing it, right? Right. But in Oregon, Washington, uh, everything's cash and uh, very much by the dollar. It's a different business model. So tell me about the business model in Nevada. Well, just what I see that's different is that uh, you see the, you know, it's $11.86. There's this extra taxes. So they have the state tax plus a marijuana tax and it all gets uh, processed right there. Can you pay with a credit card or also cash like in Washington? Uh, the store here does have, of course, the ATMs, but they do allow a debit system in uh, the back room. To get your money out or to actually pay? To pay. Interesting. I wonder how they yeah. they overcome the issue of uh, the money not being federally um, insured. You know, that's why they're they're doing it cash only here. Are they just taking a bravery moment and uh, saying we're willing to do this and uh, they're not afraid of the feds? Is, is that what it's really about? What's uh, going on there? It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe next time you're you're there, you'll ask them and then let me know. Well, um, so Jeremy, I know you've been struggling with, with marijuana addiction, um, but maybe addiction is a strong word. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think marijuana addiction is possible? I want you to... Tell me a little bit about your struggles. Wow. Yeah. Um, addiction, in my mind, is assimilated really a lot to the human condition. It has to do with a repetitive habit and then being in control or not of control of it, and then whether we criticize it and want to eliminate it or change it or um, and what it means to manage it. And with marijuana, I experience what I would uh, associate, yes, having an addiction. So give me an, give me an example. Let's go to the last time 
you've struggled with trying to stop. So to, to me, an addiction is when we try to stop, but there's something that's bigger than us, that's stronger than us, that is preventing us to do so. So let's go back to the actual concrete example of the last time you were trying to to stop. Was it for a particular amount of time? Was it? Tell me a little bit about the actual difficulty. Well, I think it's about the relationship with it. And it's what's, you know, it's ongoing because I go through a period where I have a discipline of not consuming it and I'm completely okay. And uh, often I feel better. I thrive in new different ways, but it's like I experienced this other part of myself. And then at some point the moon phase changes. And even though logically I think, Oh, I'd like my discipline to keep maintaining this abstinence. I'm now given the opportunity and I give myself the fill and then I experience myself in that experience. And so it's this ongoing relationship. And recently, I think as far as a timeline is about three weeks was my last run. Before that, it was uh, over nine months. Um, are you so, smo- just, are you, so now you're back to smoking? When you're saying a run, you mean without marijuana? Yeah, right now I'm consuming uh, marijuana, yes. Okay, so help me understand what's the issue. So, okay, so you're consuming marijuana. What makes you want to stop? And what happens when you try to stop and find yourself struggling? Be, because I, I, I guess what, I'm, what I want to understand is what's the drive to stop? Because if you stop for nine months, then obviously you have the power to stop. And if you stop for three weeks, then that means you have the power to stop. But at some point, you smoke again. So obviously it calls you. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate. And I'm going to say, listen, maybe those people who told us that marijuana addiction does not really exist, maybe they're right. Here you are. You're an adult. You're... um, you were able to stop for nine months. You were able to stop for three weeks. You were probably had other runs, as you called it, where you didn't consume marijuana. What's the issue? Sure. I, I think it's a you know it's it's a personal relationship with it that you know there's if there's a time and a reason for a motivation. So when I did the nine month uh, or more, I think it was about ten or eleven. Ultimately. Uh, what I was looking at was I had a job. I had a, a purpose that uh, it was, you know, critical for me to manage and maintain that. So that was a priority. Um, and so when it came to thinking about what changed the discipline, that was one place that it really did support it. But when I made the choice just on my own, I had a shorter period of time. And the reason was really that I wanted to have a, a different uh, psychosis, a different experience of my mental and emotional self, my body relationship, my relationship with time and energy and uh, productivity, uh, and really seeing that I've, I have this well-conditioned, uh, you know, stoner lifestyle, so to speak, and being caught up with uh, it just being a part of my life, no matter what my productivity level was. So I had my own relationship with it, and at times I thought of it as being medicinal, and other times um, it was just something that was always there and available. Um, and so it just depends on the way that I think about what it is with it. Um, but then it's like, so I have this relationship of accepting that it's something that I do. I consume cannabis and, uh, that's something that my body needs. Sometimes I realize I don't need a lot of THC. I just need a bunch of, I need some, uh, CBD, 
you know, I'm starting to find hemp joints in tobacco shops and uh, people around having some. And it's like, whoa, wow, yeah. And it really gives me the right kind of mellow imbalance rather than when I go to uh, the cannabis, medical marijuana or recreational, it just seems like I'm getting some sort of, you know, really high intense different scenario that isn't giving me what it is my body's seeking, uh, which probably I'm learning uh, could be the, the, the cannabinoids. Um, but then I think about some of the things that I've heard you talk about and what it means to be relating with um, sativa, indica, hybrids, and with the CBD or, you know, the, what, what's our, what are we making a relationship with? And then, and what is it that I'm experiencing? Because there is something once I return to allowing myself to have some cannabis, I smoke a bowl or uh, now we can eat gummies, uh, which are interesting, but, um, you know, I'm a little burner. So I, I, I just know to smoke it. It's like, Oh, I'm going to smoke a joint or I'm going to, um, consume it. So that, you know, maybe there's a relationship there with, with the smoke, the, the ceremony of it. Um, but it's also just something that I have a long condition of. So it's something that I allow in my system. So then the transformation of changing, uh, it requires me to constantly kind of have a certain amount of allowance, but then returning back like, oh, yeah, this is something I want to get rid of or I want to have time of purity of it. I want to be able to be clean in my consciousness. And then when I'm looking at back and forth of this struggle between being uh, on it or, or off it, using it or not using it, experiencing or not experiencing it, then I'm really just back and forth looking at how am I managing myself. And um, so where does it what does it mean to be doing that in this relationship? So let me understand something, because. You know, we were talking just the other day, um, and you definitely mentioned that you can use some tools um, in order to manage your relationship with marijuana. So I guess I'm pressing, I'm trying to understand the issue. You're describing, it sounds to me like you're a very responsible individual, that you know yourself, you know what you like, you know what you don't, you don't like. And it sounds to me like when you wanted to take a break, yeah. you did. So I'll ask you very specifically, if you wanted to stop smoking marijuana right now, would you be able to? Yes. Okay. So is there a particular situation? Is there a particular, would you say that there is a, that there is a scenario or that has been scenarios where you wanted to not smoke? You wanted to be clear. Obviously you like being clean. You like being you know, uh, in this state of purity, right? Your consciousness is not altered and you want it to stop, but for some reason you found yourself going back to it again. Why Why are you saying that you're addicted, you know, at times, if, if you can just go ahead and stop? Uh, right, exactly. Uh, especially that contrast of having the idea of, valuing being pure and uh, experiencing that relation and the relationship of uh, then i guess in that in that contrast eras is you know is marijuana a dirty thing and then i think well no you know i mean some of it is that i experienced such a a, a powerful feeling of uh, in my spirituality it enhances me in different ways that i sense myself inside or it illumines my mind in in new ways and um but I think those are those are kind of the luring attractives when it comes to the other contrasts of what it you know uh, of how it I guess then dirties me or how I then uh, feel my energy in ways where I'm more out of control and the experience that I don't want to be having. 
marijuana is, has like a very sexual energy. It has powerful creative uh, energy in it. Um, and so in contrast to the, to the purity, also wants to be able to manage that creative energy. And um, that can be challenging. Tell me more about the negative side effects that you experience when you smoke for a prolonged period of time, or tell tell me what happens in those moments when you say, I just want to stop. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, maybe you say, I'm going to stop, and then the next day, you, you know, you keep on smoking, you find yourself smoking again. You mentioned something about, um, you know, you had a job, you were a firefighter, so, you know, you, you couldn't smoke, and now you you know, you're in a different professional situation. So you're, you know, you can smoke and therefore you do. Uh, and it sounds like it's this default thing that kind of happens. But tell me more about those negative side effects that you find, those those places where you say, this is why I want, at this particular moment, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate marijuana's great things. And, you know, most of our listeners know what they are. And, you know, that's why they smoke if they smoke. But what are the things that are causing you to want to stop? What do you what do you witness in your own behavior, in your own mind? And what's pushing you towards the desire to stop? It's fatigue and laziness in my body. It's not having a motive in, in productivity of other involvements I would be in to if I didn't have whatever it was that was stimulating me to be so relaxed, which is enjoyable, you know, but then it's like, okay, wait, but this is getting in the way from me being able to achieve this goal. I see. So what you're saying is that, that you definitely find that marijuana impacts your productivity and is cause yeah and is causing you to be less motivated obviously we know that marijuana reduces motivation for some people in some marijuana some strains and you know in some some situations especially consumed over time and so do you find that the more you smoke the harder it is to stop yeah i think that if i have it then I'm going to consume it and I'm going to keep consuming it. Even though I think, Oh, I, you know, probably shouldn't smoke another bowl because, uh, I would prefer that I'm going to have this experience, you know, next I want to go to sleep more. I'm, you know, my, it's going to wake me up or instead of put me down or, um, but then I still, I still burn it, you know? Um, and so that, uh, whether that's a condition from early development of, you know, becoming a, a, a smoker, um, in my teens or, and, and just what ideas got assigned with that, if, if that plays a role with that kind of strong relationship, perhaps. Um, but it's really just me allowing that constant, you know, it's just what I do. So the way I have to start sharing it or um, just burn it, and then I can pretty much control it at whether or not I allow myself to purchase it, um, is my next, you know, power play on self-control. I see. So... Let me ask you a few other questions that are of interest to that particular topic. Have you find yourself saying, fuck it, I want to be clean and just kind of go and throw away all the marijuana that you had? I experience a self-talk that would like to to say that it's that, but I think the real realization that you're expressing there, um, I think that's probably exactly what's missing in a way. The, the, all of that motivation, it's like there's something about the true desire 
um, of letting it go. But it's kind of like, well, but I kind of have a commitment that this is just something that I need and want. And if I can manage it and put the right amounts in the right way in my life, then I'm going to be, you know, fine with it. Um, it's not something that I criticize or condemn or necessarily want to eliminate from my life experience um, or my body. I, I, there's so much that I still get out of it in the, oh, this this feeds my body, my brain, my mind. Um, and I think it's about the right relationship with what strains and, and, and different uh, growth experiences that we then experience. What, what, am, what am I really relating? What is it that I'm really getting out of it? Um, and, uh, and hopefully I can manage it because, because the struggle just becomes this, uh, this struggle of the struggle and it's well, and you know, I'm back to the default. I'm still going to, I'm still going to be going down this experience. I see. I see. <clears throat> so what I hear from you and please correct me if, if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, um, mentally and intellectually, um, and philosophically, there's a part of you that wants to, rebalance, shall we say, the relationship you have with marijuana, but you find yourself sort of like uh, smoking by default. It's like, oh, this is what I'm doing. You mentioned the whole idea of a ritual, uh, the ritualistic behavior of lighting one up, which is amazing. You know, that's what I miss when I don't smoke, right? Sometimes I want to smoke just for the sake of lighting it up, just for the sake of holding that joint in my in my hand, right? Or, you know, for me... You know, there'll be a time where, you know, it's sunset. Every time I'm in this house, every I'm selling this house right now, as as you know, but, <clears throat> excuse me, but every time I'm in this house, for some reason, at sunset, I immediately think about marijuana. And it's this habit that was formed, you know, on the marijuana packages says this product may be habit forming. It is. Um, but everything is habit forming. You know, if I'm going to start uh, drinking a you know, a mimosa every time the sun goes down. Well, guess what? After two weeks, I'm going to be addicted, quote unquote, right. or yep. habitually. Every, every, action repeating, every action repeating is uh, is a habit. You're e right. Exactly. That's how the body works, right? Our mind, our intellectual mind is capable of, of, of going outside of this pattern, but our body sort of like is asking for it. Now, marijuana, it's not physically addicting, but there there is, well... I'm going to rephrase that. <clears throat> I think that there is a physical desire that comes up. That's what's sort of pushing us towards it. But I would say that there's no physical side effects. There's no physical um, withdrawal, significant, I would say, significant physical withdrawal symptoms over time. That is, if we start smoking, if, if I stop smoking after a couple of days, I'm fine physically. Mentally, sure. it keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Um, and it sounds like you are suffering from somewhat of an inner conflict. There's a part of you that, um, actually, I'll describe it for myself and tell me if that resonates with you as well. I found that there's two two parts of me. There's a part of me who wants to smoke. I love smoking. I love the feel. I love analyzing what's happening in my mind while I'm on marijuana. It's obviously what I do. I, I'm in the process of writing a book about it. I'm... You know, uh, it's just what I do. I love it. Um, I love the the ritual of it. I love the feeling I have in my body. I love the fact that it uh, squashes the anxiety, this uh, layer of anxiety that I feel on a regular basis. But then there's another part of me that really doesn't like it, that doesn't like the lethargic feeling I have the next morning, that doesn't like oh. the fact that you know, if I smoked tonight, 
okay. I, I haven't smoked since Saturday, but let, like if I smoked, and what day is it? It is Tuesday. Um, if I smoked tonight, I can tell you very, very I mean, very concretely, very, I mean, no doubt in my mind that tomorrow until about 2 p.m., I will be, I would say, working on probably two cylinders out of my six, okay, or whatever, if I'm six cylinders, like, you know, probably 30% capacity. And okay. I will be struggling. I will be kind of like feeling lethargic. I will feeling my mind wouldn't quite be where I want it to be. I wouldn't be so sharp. You know, I, I see right. you, you know, I see you nodding like you were, it's your experience, right? And then gotta, what's going to happen? Go for a run now. Uh, say that All again. Right. Oh, they, you know, that got to go for a run. I, gotta, I need some brain circulation. Something yeah. To go on. Yeah. But, yeah. but then when my brain comes back to what it was, then guess what happens? Then I want to smoke again. And so I find that when I start right. smoking, it becomes this daily pattern that sort of kind of chases itself. And then what happens? My tolerance goes up and the the impact, the joy that I derive from it goes down. And then after a while, I get to this point where I'm like, fuck it, I, I just want to stop. Like I'm not getting from it what I really love and yeah, I still love the idea, but I'm literally like I've been smoking, let's say, straight for three weeks now, and I'm I'm just fucking sick of it. And then I'll, you know, whatever, I'll stop for however much time. And I mean, that used to be my pattern, right? There's this inner conflict, you know, let's, you know, I'm, <clears throat> you know, my what's specialty. Say that. What's going on at that point where you're, you're, you're just saying, fuck it, and it's just too intense. This is uh, you're you're staying clean. You're staying sober. What's going on in your mind and experience that then makes you bring it back? So, I had I had multiple situations until I've I've come to the the solution that worked for me, and I'll I'll happily share that um, in a few minutes. But uh, what what happened? You know, it depends on the period. So, and it really depends what's going on with my life. So usually. I'll stop for a little while. And then after a few days, the desire will rise again. And then I, you know, maybe I'll have a little bit, you know, I'll say, no, I don't want to smoke because I'll still remember, you know, the process. And I remember that I promised myself, you know, there'll be this process of saying, oh, I'm not going to smoke until whatever, let's say for a month, you know, because I really want to clean out. And I want, it's like, I want to remember who I am without marijuana because marijuana changes our perception of reality. And when I smoke all the time, I feel like I'm not looking at reality with, you know, it's like I'm looking at reality through a lens and I don't want that lens anymore. And so I'll commit, I'll say, hey, I'm not gonna smoke for, you know, whatever, three weeks, let's say. And then a week will pass and I'm great. And then I feel super clean, super clear, because after a week of not smoking marijuana, we know that the body pretty much goes back to normal. After about a week, it's not even in your blood. After a month, you you know, there's really no, no trace. But after a week, I feel, I, for me, after I would say three, four days, I feel great. And after a week, I feel like I haven't smoked ever, right? I mean, I just feel clean. But then I'll have a day where I have a lot of anxiety Maybe something's happening. Maybe uh, an offer was put on the house, and you know, I it was too low, and blah blah. I don't know, whatever, right? I'm I'm a, I'm an erotic Jew. I mean, I I live with you know, anxiety is my middle name. We Jews. Well, I'll, I'll, 
part of this is life life stress is all of this kind of stress and anxiety it's there's a lot going right, on there. right. So you're, you're processing all of that and uh having some relief sounds yeah. like it'd be nice yeah and and so i'll you know i'll I'll say, no, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. But the fact that I can access it and the fact that it's like, oh, you have a headache. You're not going to take Tylenol. It doesn't make sense. If it helps, why not? But it's not that I take CBD and then my headache goes away. You know, I like to smoke THC. I like to alter my consciousness in a particular way that is significant enough for me to truly enjoy the experience in whatever ways I do, right? And so that impacts me. You know, after two and a half hours where the where the high subsides, I have a crash. Oh, by the way, I eat more too. I munch and I eat more and, you know, then I'll get a little weight. Like I definitely feel like I'm not in my optimal zone when, you know, I felt when I smoked marijuana regularly. And so it didn't work for me. And then again, to cut it completely for my life doesn't work. I'll give you an example. I'm in the midst of this experiment right now that I'm performing as a part of this podcast of testing THC, a pure THC, 98% pure THC, um, between sativa and indica. This uh, woman I'm doing it with, Jeannie, she's bringing the THC. She's not telling me if she's giving me THC that was derived from indica or sativa. I smoke it and I tell her what I think it is. And the goal of the experiment is to figure out whether THC, pure THC that was derived from sativa or indica, will have a difference of a head high versus body high. Or, you know, many would say that mm -hmm. the molecule is the molecule, right? Well, if well, I'm... Right. If I'm on a break, if I'm saying, oh, I'm not going to smoke for a month, I cannot perform that experiment. If I'm supposed to meet with uh, yet another person and perform another experiment, I can't do that. It, so on and so forth. So there's another piece of me that says, no, I want to have a healthy relationship with this substance. The fact that it's impacting me negatively does not mean I need to completely stop consuming it. It's like saying, hey, chocolate's fattening and chocolate's, you know, can cause cavities. So I'm not going to eat chocolate or, ooh, you know, it doesn't work, right? I mean, if we can't achieve a healthy relationship with a substance, something is wrong. And the I, I believe that there's always a fine balance. There's always a place of balance. And it's really us making the decision and sticking to it. The problem is that when I make the decision, I'm so jaded in that point, you know, I would be like, oh, fuck it. I really want to be clean, whatever, you know. So I'll commit to times that are, don't make sense. Now, everything I'm describing are classic patterns of addiction. What is addiction? Addiction is when desire overcomes will. What's the difference between will and desire? Desire is always instantaneous, always momentary. It's always in the present moment. If I desire a joint, I desire it right now. But if willpower always has to do with the future, will has to do with sub suppressing desire in order to achieve a different goal. And so when our willpower is stronger than, uh, when our desire is stronger than the will, we cannot maintain what we promise to ourselves. We lose the power of our own word to ourselves. And the problem is that marijuana causes us, causes our willpower to diminish. 
And so here lies, you know, here lies the issue, the Achilles heel of the plant itself. And so I'm not going to say that everybody can be addicted to marijuana. I know that a lot of people smoke marijuana regularly and when they want to stop, they stop and no problem. I have many friends like that. But I do know a lot of people who, you know, gravitate towards uh, addictive tendencies, you know, when they run into a substance that they like, whatever it is, sugar, coffee, you name it, cigarette, alcohol, you know, whatever it is for them, they, yeah. you know, they oh. tend to to run away to it every time something happens. So that's kind of what happens to me. Do you, did you find, um, did you find that your experience is similar? Oh, wow. wow. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I resonate with everything you said. Um, the desire overcomes the will. We, um, We have a mutual interest in that healthy relationship because we identify that there's something about it that we enjoy. Um, but then there's something that we also have to do without. And the idea that there's something that we can, you know, that we can manage it, if, that we can, we can identify what it is that we do want, what is it that's giving us this experience and give it to ourselves when that moment's correct. Uh, and otherwise not use it because it doesn't have a requirement. It's just about the association, the way that we've learned to relate with it. Mm, mm, well said. Well said. So so let's take it a step further, right? Because here we are. We, I, I refuse, I refuse to say, I know that a lot of people, when they get addicted to alcohol, um, people go through the 12-step program um, yeah. Alcoholic Anonymous, you know, all those things. The essence of the plans, when we talk about addiction, what immediately comes to mind is deprivation. We have to be away from the substance because, just like you said, Jeremy, if you have it, you smoke it. And let me tell you yeah. how many times I thought to myself, I cannot have it in the house because if I'm going to have it in the house, I'm going to smoke. And if I'm going to smoke, I'm not, I'm not going to be productive and I want to be productive. And you know me, I have so much to do. I have books to write. I wrote a book last year. When I wrote my book in the fall, I did not smoke for three months. Why? I cannot write and smoke at the same time. When you write a uh -huh. book, you have a narrative in your mind that is, you know, the entire book is is connected in your mind. You have to know what chapter you wrote this, what chapter you wrote that, when did I list this, when did I write that, the references. I mean, you know, you know, you're a writer. And yeah. with marijuana, I have it's this short-term... Say that again? It's good for stimulating ideas. It oh. creates a creative mind space where it can float. It's, you know, it's taking the proverbial bath. It's like, oh, I can float here like a butterfly for a while. Um, but you got to be able to get back to that pen and paper. Exactly. And, you know, when, when this this uh, concept of ideation is happening while we smoke, that's great. But you can't live on ideas alone. It's sort of like saying, hey, I'm going to live off my banana plantation by, you know, by looking at the seeds. Well, the seeds are one thing, but you still have to plant them. You still have to cultivate. You still have to grow the, the plants. You still have to pick them. You still have to sell them. You know, you have to... So so here it is again. It's like if I'm going to start writing my ideas, I have a hard time maintaining my trunk of thought. 
but it goes more than that. It's not that I, that I can't write while I'm stoned. It's that if I smoke today, let's say in the afternoon, I'll say, oh, I'm just going to smoke in the afternoon. Well, let me tell you, buddy, I'm not going to be able to get up in the morning and write because there is a pendulum, you know, sort of like a swing effect that happens with my memory, the short-term memory loss that happens while I'm altered. The opposite short-term memory loss happens after I'm no longer intoxicated, and it happens for quite a few hours. So, For example, if I smoke sativa, I immediately experience a concrete short-term memory loss. That is, it's very hard for me to think about concrete stuff. Like, for example, what the hell am I doing in the kitchen? Why did I come in here for, right? You're laughing. Yeah. Right. Now, if I yeah, smoke okay. indigo, it's the opposite. Whatever I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. A concrete short-term memory loss. So, for example, I can't smoke sativa and make a concrete plan of action. It's just impossible for me. Now, I become an abstract thinker. The opposite happens to me on indica. If I smoke indica, I can make I have great concrete ideas, but for the life of me, I can't th think abstractly. And everything I write is abstract, so I need to be able to think abstractly. Now, if I smoke indica, the next day, I can't think concretely because I have that swing. And if I smoke sativa, while I smoke, I can't think concretely, but the next day I can't think abstractly because my mind just kind of swings back to the other side and it yeah, takes quite a while to, to recover. And then I also find, and I don't know if that's true for you, please do tell me, that the more I smoke regularly, the, the more sensitive my emotional makeup becomes. I become more prone to anxiety, more prone to uh, mood swings, and if I have anxiety, I feel it more substantially. I'm less resilient to my emotional swings. Do you find that to be the case with you as well? I think that I do identify that uh, the cannabis relationship does make the mental-emotional relationship a swinging pendulum, and you're kind of swimming around at different times of yourself, uh, trying to figure out who it is you are when it comes to identifying that you're out there having this experience. And um, we're all balancing in the in the stasis of ourselves. And cannabis does have this uh, influence. And uh, it can also be, it can also disconnect us from our emotions. And then we might be having more of that. What I think is the sativa it has more of the photons and the, the mental illumination. And so it's a much more intense experience uh, where the indica kind of brings it more down into the body and the heart. It's kind of being in the astral and the causal plane, uh, a way of thinking of it. And uh, when we're in those environments of, of psyche, mind, or, or mental, emotional, or conscious awareness of ourself, it is all that multidimensional experience. And so identifying what is it that's influencing this because we know it is that and uh, cannabis is definitely uh, making some waves yeah yeah thank you so you know i think that a lot of people also don't realize that their moods swing on on marijuana i certainly didn't until my former wife told me she was like listen i think that you know she's not my best friend and you know i remember one day she just told me I noticed that your mood swings are, you know, just swings more when, when you're smoking marijuana. And when she said that, it just hit me. And 
from that moment I started I started tracking, right? So so let's go towards solutions. So we we get the problem, right? So how do we solve yeah. this? How do we say, okay, so fine. Yes, if we had to stop smoking marijuana, we could. So that's why I think a lot of people say, hey, it's not addiction. Because guess what? A lot of people, when they travel abroad or when they get to a place when there's no marijuana, if you were right now, Jeremy, if you were right now being sent somewhere and there's absolutely no fucking way you can put your hands on marijuana, will you even be thinking about it? No. Exactly. It'll, it'll cross my mind that I know that I'm going, that I'm having an experience that it's something that I'm going, new definition of my life. And so I'm aware of it. And then I'm going to be more interested in whatever. It is. Yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be concerned about it. And I'm not going to be worried about it. I, I can live completely without it. And probably past this first, the first 24 hours, let's okay. say you smoked in a row for like three, four weeks for the past first 24 or 48 hours you won't even feel it in your body that is you will not have any residual issues why and and the reason for this you know and i think this is the key this is the puzzle here marijuana is not on our mind when our mind knows for a fact that it's not an option to smoke it that is if it's not around if we can't get it if we, if we can't put our hands on it, if it's just not a possibility, if you just travel abroad and you're in a country that there's no fucking way you can get it, you simply don't think about it anymore. Which no, means... In fact, you know you're going to be feeling better. You're going to be feeling better in your experience. You know, you're going to be uh, really caught up with your personal experience with where you're at. Um, yeah. Exactly. So what does that mean? It's like, it's not going to be the same with... Um, substances that, or heroin or something where or even alcohol have it, having it alcohol uh, it does have that effect also and so, so does soda pop yep yep sugar right so if we're if we're if we're somewhere where we can't get our sugar i mean fuck you know we, we're gonna be out for a week two weeks i mean we're gonna be detoxing and so i think this is and it's a valid point this is why people are kind of yeah. screaming, screaming, um, you know, high murder when they hear marijuana addiction. They don't want these terms to sabotage our attempts to get it legalized. And yes, if it's actually available in every corner, I did have a situation where I decided not to smoke and I didn't have any marijuana in the house, which is, you know, was at the time before I have my current solution, which I'll get to. Um it was critical for me not to have marijuana in the house in times where I didn't want to smoke it. Uh, or maybe to have a real desire to do something. Like, for example, when I wrote my my first book last year. And, you know, I did have a situation where the house was clean and I didn't want to smoke, but then I felt like shit and I just passed next to a store and I saw this. Uh, what we see, desire is evoked by what we see. If we uh, go down the highway and see a billboard that says, uh, you know, that shows a picture of a burger, well, guess what? We're going to, if we're hungry, we're going to, suddenly we want a burger because what we see is what we desire. We desire with our eyes. We desire with with something that is there. If you just saw me drinking uh, uh, carrot apple juice or, you know, you see me like being super healthy, you say, oh, I want, I want to do that, right? And so with marijuana, you know, yeah, people... The idea. The yeah. has to occur. Yeah, if yeah, people that, yeah. want to legalize it, we'll say, hey, if 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 that's what you're saying, you know, the, those who object legalization are going to say, you see, the fact that we're legalizing it, we're essentially promoting um, addiction. So 
I just want to name it because it's a valid point. However, however, the issue of wanting to stop smoking and having a hard time doing it, whatever the reason is, because it's there, because we, we form the habit, because uh, we suffer from severe anxiety or whatever, right? It's still an issue. However, solving that issue, I do not believe that actually requires eliminating marijuana from our lives altogether, but rather has the... Um, requires us to find some kind of an inner peace in terms of the amount and the, uh, how should we put it, the pattern, balance. the balance, exactly, the inner balance that we do. Um, the, and yep. So, okay, well, that's nice, but many of us have been there. It's like, oh, I, I know I, I should be, have balance, but sometimes we're like, oh, you know, this balance, uh, how do we get this balance? Right? How do we get it? And so, for me, I'd eliminate it too. Say that again. Sure. Well, I'm just learning and understanding what you're talking about, and the idea of having you know to identify what's the pattern, so we can get this balance, this peace, this solution to our to our struggle. And yeah. I'm with you on it. That's yeah. that's that is the key. So that's what the key is. The, the, there's a, there's a few pieces to the puzzle, and one I I mentioned in the previous um, episode of decoding cannabis when I was talking to Justin, I was talking about the power of the word, um, and I know I spoke to you about that in the past. You know, this ability to have a particular phrase, specific few, very specific set of words, that when we say them, it is a promise to ourselves that we're never going to break. Now, most people don't have that. Most people say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to smoke until next week or whatever, I promise. And then it's like, oh, we forget that we said it. And, you know, we say, I pro, we say, we, we might say, I promise, um, I promise that I'm not going to, that, that I'm not going to uh, spray water on you again. And, you know, whatever, two minutes later we do because it's funny, right? So we use that set of words. And then I say, oh, no, listen, I promise I will never push you into the water. I know you're really scared of water. And we really mean it. But guess what? We're using the exact same words, I promise. And so the words themselves, their value is being diminished by the fact by, that we don't necessarily have a direct relationship with um, a rigidity around these words. And so what I was saying in the last episode, that when we find oh, words that are... Large. Say that? It's a little less than large, the importance of value of our words and what we're saying. And what that's causing, you know, our words are such power and causality, like you're discussing. Yeah. Please yeah. go on. Yeah. And so, and so I was talking about this need to find a particular set of words that means something to us. So for me, you know, I have these words in Hebrew that I say, which are words that, you know, means I'm sort of like making a covenant with myself. And when I say them, I'm not going to break them. And you know, you start small, you say, oh, you know, let's say, let's say, you know, I know um, some people, for example, somebody I know has a guru in an Eastern, you know, meditation guru. And so when he wanted to commit to himself, he would say, I promise my guru, you know, and so he guru knows everything. So, you know, when he says that the guru knows it and he knows he's not going to disappoint his guru. So that becomes his anchor, you know, call it an anchor, you know, and it's like, oh, it's a commitment. Another possibility is to, yeah, right. I mean, you, you resonate with that, right? 
Um, another possibility, uh, sometimes we it feel... Always, it doesn't always happen, though. Um, you know, I think I, I'm just really inspired about the idea of the, you know, this conflict that we're trying to also identify and, and think we are, but this relationship with it, is it really our moral character that we're, you know, are we keeping an integral to our, because our words are a covenant. As soon as we, you know, think them and bring them to expression, uh, there is power in this. And, um, Wow, man. Um, our relationship with all of it is is an important dialogue. Yeah. So I'm interested in learning more about these words that uh, you seem to have so much power and interest in. Well, you know, I think for everybody it's different words, right? I mean, if somebody's going to learn to say the exact same word I'm using, they're not going to have an emotional association with them like I do. So we all have to kind of figure out on our own what, what, exact, what words exactly speak to us and what words are going to stimulate something. But the idea here is just to reserve words specifically for this place in us that knows these are going to be the words that if I say them, I will not break them. Okay. Now, some people just go to another tool of, of the trade of, of, you know, kind of committing to something and, and doing it. Some people are not embarrassed to break their own word, but they are embarrassed when they're breaking the word in front of other people. So I know of someone who wanted to smoke less. And in fact, another why individual. Is willing, why is it we're willing to break it with ourselves? Um, you know, it really, I'm actually going to get to that because there's an important point there, but some people are, some people are, you know, we sort of, we forget there is this uh, notion of, there's this place of embarrassment. If we set it in front of people, other people, because we don't want them to think that we're weak or whatnot, whatever, you know, whether it's whether it's something that we need to work on or not is almost irrelevant. But, but uh, the fact is that we can ask us, Hey, if I, if I gathered a group of my friends, okay, um, let's say a, a small men's group, like three or four of my friends, or, you know, um, even my wife, like let's say I have a wife and I'm going to tell her a really good friend, and I'm going to commit commit to this, this person, and then if I'm going to go and smoke behind their back, I feel like I'm like I'm cheating, like I'm you know I'm, I'm not honoring this this place that they wanted to come and support me. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that this too is a tool to involve other people. However, going back to your point, at the end of the day, it is important that we respect ourselves. And if our words to ourselves is not strong enough, then we're not strong enough. We're not, uh, we, we are only, we can only value ourselves as the power of our own word. If I say, hey, I'm going to write a book this fall. And I know that if I say these words, I'm going to do it. Then guess what? I'm going to write a book this fall. And that's, that's, that's amazing. That's powerful. Yeah. Now, yeah. I also going to mention that we, in order to build it, it's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to have a word. Here's my, here's my words that are reserved for this particular purpose. Let's say the words are, I swear to God. Okay, so maybe I believe in God. And I say, I swear to God. If I, if I swear to God, I'm not going to break it. Let's just assume that. Well, guess okay. what? I don't want to say, okay, from now on, this is the word. I swear to God that I'm not going to smoke for three months. Well, you know what's going to happen? 
there's a high chance I will smoke. Why? Because the words themselves still don't have the power. They weren't infused with the power yet. I have to build it into them. It's sort of like a rubber band. You want to stretch it slow. And so you want to say, okay, I'm not going to smoke for the next 48 hours. And, you know, you keep it. And by the, by the end of the 48 hours, the words have been infused already with the power of you doing it. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And then after maybe a couple of months, wow, you don't want to break the words because if you're going to break them, you're going to lose all the effort that you put into them until now. And so over time, they accumulate value. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the accumulate that's karma. It's accumulation of all of that consciousness from thought and feeling, uh, and going into and then crafting it into word, which is uh, power, and then actions and that constant repeating. And so the relationship with it of using the condition of whatever that relativity is in this discussion, cannabis, and understanding that that's actually playing a role in what is that causality of your experience. It's we're, we're we're influencing our consciousness. There you it's go. It's really happening. There, there you go. And in this metaphysical concept, this metaphysical object, this metaphysical power uh, of something that we've created out of nothing, these words that we've reserved are now an actual tool that we have that we know that when we're using them, it's power. And that that, my friend, is substantial. But all that and sort of like repeating what what was said in the previous episode but i want to i want to add something new here with you all that is fine and dandy but it's not really helping if we don't know how to balance our marijuana consumption so let's assume we're an individual who want to balance their marijuana consumption let's assume that we're an individual that notices these patterns of lack of motivation oh. of uh, tiredness, of lethargicness, of inability to focus, of lack of mental clarity, of, uh, you know, fatigue. And we, we want to introduce that. How do we know? How do we know how to balance? How do we find the right balance so that we can, we can stick to it? And I got to tell you, Jeremy, I suspect that it's different for every person. So the only thing I do is can share my experience and what, what, what has helped me eventually and what resolution I've, I've arrived to. And even that, I will say, it works for me now, but there might be other periods where it's not going to work for me. But right now, here's what works for me. In Judaism, specifically Hebrew wisdom, there's a concept of Shabbat. Shabbat is the seventh day of the week. It starts on Friday afternoon, sunset, right? And it ends on Saturday evening when the sun goes down. You can extend right. it, you know, some, you know, my, my Shabbat kind of starts at like 4 p.m. on a Friday and sort of like ends at like 10 p.m. on a Saturday type of thing. Well, the idea of Shabbat is as follows. Sure. During the week, we have to work. We all have to do something. It doesn't matter. Even if you have shitload of money, you know, yeah, you know, you're going to have a blast for a few, for a couple of months, but, uh, you know, whatever, a couple of years. After a while, you want to do something. You want to be productive. You know, as individuals, we all want to create. We all want to do something. And so there are days that are designated for that. And the Hebrew wisdom comes in and tells us, listen, there is a natural cycle in the psyche that if you actually stick to it, you're going to find 
that you will form a habit that will resonate with your cosmic rhythm. And that cosmic rhythm is six days of work, one day of rest. And that's the entire idea of Shabbat in the Hebrew wisdom. There are regular days, it's called Yemechol, uh, you know, uh, free translations like the, the normal days, the working days. And then there's the weekend. And that's the idea of a weekend. On the weekend, we do what we want. And so I found, for me, after testing again and again and again, that there is a tremendous advantage for me not to smoke during the week and only smoke during the weekend. Why? Because, first of all, when I don't smoke for five days, I feel so clear. I mean, after two days, I start feeling clear. Um, and by the time I get to Friday night, when I smoke, it becomes so special and my weekend becomes special because I just had a tolerance break. I also notice that if I smoke two days in a row, I start, you know, the, the time that it takes me to clean out becomes longer. But if I only smoked for a period of approximately 24 hours, let's say from Friday afternoon till Saturday night, then by Sunday noon or so, because I only smoked for about 28 hours or so, and, you know, I don't smoke all the time during that time. I mean, you know, I'll smoke maybe two, three times, like once in Friday night, maybe twice, uh, you know, uh, maybe another time on Shabbat, on Saturday itself, or, you know, whatever. Sunday I'm already clean. I'm already feeling great. By Monday, I am sharp. I'm just good to go. And I find myself being extremely productive during the week. And then when I come to Friday night, I'm all like, oh, yeah, I can actually enjoy the joint more. I can enjoy the flour. I can enjoy the whatever I'm eating because, first of all, I feel accomplished because I have accomplished stuff. I feel balanced. And there's none of that inner struggle. I don't think about it anymore because I have this this place, and it makes sense. Now, between saying it and doing the thing, it... The thing that makes this work, Ares, uh, for you that I've learned watching this experience with you, and I think about my own experience and not having that practice devoted like you do, and knowing that you transformed with that, it's it's that it's a, there's a ceremony of it. And you really get to harness this and then through that discipline and the condition it becomes this joyous experience that you're talking about uh appreciate you talking about this. yeah 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 exactly i mean you're hitting the nail on the head it becomes the solution itself not only solves the problem of the imbalance of the marijuana consumption i'm not gonna even say addiction when you look at it that way there's no more addiction there's desire i desire marijuana fine but it doesn't mean right. that every time I desire marijuana, I have to do it. Because not everything we desire, we do. We shouldn't. I mean, we're adults, right? And so, for me, this work, but you're right, beyond that, there's also the ritualistic aspect of it, the celebration of it. And, you know, being infused with this spiritual idea of Shabbat, it, you know, it's even more. Now, I want to say one more thing about it, because this is a critical point. The fact that this timing thing works for me doesn't mean that it works for everybody else. It doesn't mean that it's the right balance for you. For some people, the right balance is every other day. Maybe the right balance is, uh, I don't know, every three days, whatever. Uh, some people, they work differently. I know people who work for four days, then, then have three days off. Everybody's different. We need to get to know ourselves. 
what I've done is two things. I'll introduce two techniques that have really helped me and hopefully that would resonate. The first technique is to actually take notes. One of the issues with marijuana is that we suffer from short-term memory loss. And so what we know while we smoke, the feeling that we have or right after we smoked or the next day, we forget. And so for a while, for a period of about two to three months, I've took notes in my journal. Every time I smoked, I wrote it down. Every time I wanted marijuana but didn't want to smoke, I wrote it down. I wrote down if I eventually smoked. I wrote down if I eventually didn't smoke. And I I also noticed that as I was writing it down, I had some shame coming up about the fact that I was dealing with this so much. I had some, I, I had a lot of introspection just by the mere fact that I was writing it down. And it taught me a lot about my own habits and my own desire and how my desire was so much stronger than my will. So that's one. The second thing I did is a technique that I actually um, I find to be extremely powerful. Here's the deal. According to Hebrew metaphysics, we're not one person. We're actually two people. Each one of us is two individuals because we actually process reality with two minds, not with one. I'm not going to go to the, to the technical part of it, but one of the minds is voluntary, one of the minds is involuntary. And this is the source of the inner conflict that I was talking about before. There's a part of us that wants to be clean. There's a part of us that just loves marijuana and wants to smoke it. And at the end of the day, the idea is that we are two people. We are all two personalities. And I'm not just talking about it um, abstractly and figuratively. Literally, Hebrew metaphysics tell us that we are all two separate, completely different personalities, two individuals. And most of us just kind of swing from one to the other without even noticing. Some of us are kind of stuck in one and never allowed the other I one think to... we notice. You know, yeah. does that resonate well, with you at all? Yeah, I think I, I think we notice and we don't notice, and I think that we also have this weird ideology of what it means to be in this, uh, you know. So if we, you know, the masculine and feminine, and what we're supposed to be experiencing, and then there's just what we really are, and it's this swooshing experience of something more. Yeah, and so it doesn't matter how how this resonates or not for people, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the inner conflict. We can always, for simplicity's sake, divide the uh, bargaining chips between two inner personalities, the one that wants to not smoke and the one that wants to smoke, the one that wants to uh, go to the show and the one that doesn't want, the one that wants to do a degree and the one that does, the one that wants to write a book and the one that says, no, fuck it, I don't feel like writing a book. And so what I found to be helpful, and here's the technique, is to, well, you know, the first thing is to give them names, right? So for me, I, I call both of them errors, but one is smart errors and the other one is wise errors, okay? That, that just works for me. Everybody's different. And I literally have a dialogue between these two people. And so smart error will say, listen, I love smoking marijuana. It helps me with my anxiety. I, I fucking love it. I don't want you to take it away from me. Every time you, you tell me wise errors, you say, hey, we shouldn't be smoking. You always want to work. You always want to do shit. You always want to accomplish. You're a fucking slave driver. Leave me alone. Let me smoke. That's what I want, right? And then the, my other side will say, well, that's fine and dandy, but we want to do this. We want to do that. We want to, it's like, I literally speak to myself, in, you know, and I, I'll walk my dogs and I'll talk it. I'll actually 
verbally say it. Because when we say it, when we pass our thoughts, when we force our thoughts into either paper or verbally, we are forcing them to take form using actual words. And this forcing of, of words into the air, this releasing, is actually causing us to feel what we're saying. And if we're saying something that doesn't resonate with us, that we don't really believe, we'll feel it right there and then. And so I, I came to this point at some point that I just, I was so tired of the inner struggle. And I said to myself, you know what? Listen, smart heirs, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I want to be your friend. I get it. I need to compromise. I get it. You love smoking marijuana. I get it. Let's figure it out. But you need to compromise too. And then Smart Air says, you know what? You're right. I'm tired of it too. I'm tired of this discussion. I'm tired of this struggle. I'm tired of it all. Let's let's figure it out. Let's find something. Let's find a balance that works for both of us. But once we both decide, once we both shake on it, then we're not going to have to worry about it anymore because when I'm weak, you're going to help me. When, when, when you're weak, I'm going to help you. Now, for me, yes, that yeah. balance, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And for me, that inner balance was, okay, we'll do weekends. Now, maybe at some point, my two personalities is, are going to negotiate, smart heirs and wise heirs are going to say, listen, we're, I don't know, we're in a vacation in uh, Jamaica, and I don't know, I'm just making it up, right? You, you get my point. Like, uh, and for the next two weeks, let's smoke every day. Great. Or for the next three, uh, three months, we're not going to smoke because we're writing a book. It's an ongoing negotiation. You have a relationship in that dialogue with yourself and that, that, that process, the power of self-talk, going on the walks, uh, having the talk, the willingness to talk to yourself out loud and express those different aspects of yourself. You're not two different people. You're even the third one who's observing and processing the two of them, you know, uh, engaging in the dialogue. Uh, this smarty and the wisey. And so you really have this wonderful process of being able to get to the point of communicating. And now we're uh, gaining that value. What more do you have to share? Yeah, this is it. I mean, you got, you got, you hit the nail on the head. I, I find that this process, and I urge those who feel the inner conflict in whatever aspect, doesn't necessarily have to be marijuana, to try it out. I'll give you one more example. Just the other day I was walking and I was I, I had this thing I felt super anxious about. It was actually yesterday. Um, and it was Monday and obviously I'm not smoking during the week. And Smart Airs was like, oh fuck, I feel so much anxiety, I wish I could smoke. And so Wise Airs, you know, I'm again walking my dogs and I'll be like, okay, let's figure it out. If you and I can get to a situation where we agree on a course of action. If we have a plan, you're not going to feel anxiety. Let's do it. And I literally spoke to myself. It's like, oh, tell me everything. Tell me smart errors all that because, you know, smart errors is the one who's anxious um, and the one that wants to smoke most of the time. Uh, wise errors is rarely anxious, um, but, you know, wants to work all the time. And, you know, I was just like, smart errors, tell me everything that bothers you like, what are you afraid of, of this scenario, of this situation, this concrete uh, particular set of circumstances that are causing you to be anxious right now? And so I did. I just, like, laid it on. It's like, oh, I'm afraid that this will happen, that will happen. And of course, it had to do with money and whatever situation, right? And then my wise thing is, like, I got to tell you, Jeremy, it was it was amazing. It was like I, I wasn't even thinking about what I'm going to say, but because I've expressed all my concerns and fears my other 
side just kind of laid out a solution. And when I was done, I wasn't anxious anymore. And thus the desire to smoke went away. And uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so to summarize, we're talking about the power of the word, having some kind of, um, of an ability to, to utter something, words that are reserved for a particular process that we, we, we slowly infuse power into it over time. We have the power of witnesses, people that we say, hey, you know, you're going to help us. We have, um, we have, uh, there, was, there, there was one more before the, uh, uh, we have the, um, the, finding the balance, right? Some kind of a pattern of behavior, pattern of scheduling that will allow us to function at the level that we want and require ourselves to function. Uh, while still enjoying the substance. That is, we're not letting go of the desire. In fact, we're leaning into the desire when the time is appropriate, but we're um, also making sure that our willpower stays powerful. And then we have those two inner personalities that were, you know, if we have inner peace, if we find the solution to this inner conflict, there is no such thing as addiction. It disappears. Because at the end of the day, I don't care what you're addicted to, sugar, coffee, sleep, sex, heroin, I don't care what it is. At the end of the day, it's a decision. It all falls down to willpower. It all falls down to our, what do we want more? Do I want to satisfy the desire or do I want to do what I wanted to, what I said yesterday and I'm going to do? You're going to be involved in in an experience of a condition of having a habit. That's the human condition. You're going to be doing something. So what are you doing and what do you want to adjust? And by doing this kind of tracking, the self-talk and the journaling, uh, all sounds like really wise tools and tips and ticks of personal experience of being able to really change that. And using those kinds of tools uh, myself, I validate, yeah, uh, very, very, very valuable uh, skills. And uh, taking the time to be conscious of our word power and uh, what are what is our mantra? What is our uh, positive affirmation? What are we repeating in our mind? What are we saying in our words? What's coming out of our mouth? What are we writing down? And what is the pool of consciousness that we're uh, stimulating? Because it does build up. It does become all of this. And then all of a sudden, all of the world reality is that you are swimming or do you want to be floating on your own uh, boat and presence and be able to manage yourself to shore of your own experience um, and being able to use these tools and take the time of being self-aware and identifying and having the humility and the, the humble character and um, and going, okay, what is the condition? If I'm going to have a habit of a condition, then I got to you know look at what are my thoughts, what are my words, what are the actions that are actually occurring, what are the actions I want to be saying, uh, it might reflect on what words and thoughts I want to experience and emotions I want to assign to what drives me forward in that condition because those continued actions are then our habit and that's our character. And we're talking about who we are. What's the experience we're really having? It's authentic because uh, ultimately that's our destiny. Exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And it's it, it all comes down, it all starts from that one little decision. It all starts from that, you know, every moment to moment we decide, right? Nope, nope, I'm not going to say we, you have to remember, we have to remember, one has to remember that when we desire something, 
like smoking marijuana in a particular moment that we know we shouldn't because we have something that we want to accomplish tomorrow or because of this or because of that or because, you know, all we have is sativa and it's, sativa makes us, um, um, uh, what do you call that? When we call, uh, can't fall asleep. Um, um, uh, there's a word. Uh, how do you call people who can't fall asleep? Um, insomniacs. Insomniacs. Uh, sativa induces insomnia. Yeah. Uh, you know, the idea is that if we manage to overcome the desire in that moment, in in an hour, the desire might not be there. You know, and so I want to say to those people out there who are struggling with with marijuana, um, habitual marijuana consumption. First of all, if you're thinking about it a lot. It is something to take care of because if you're thinking about it a lot, it's an issue. Second, document, document, document. You want to know if it's impacting your life, if it's impacting your life in a negative way. And there is, you know, the fact that that the the negative impacts, the negative effects uh, exist, doesn't diminish the fact that marijuana should be legalized. Because we're all adults and we should be able to consume things appropriately. It's the same as sugar. You know, the fact that sugar is legal doesn't mean that we have to live our lives consuming, you know, pop, uh, a carton of pop a day, you know. I want refined sugar illegal. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I want it. It's like, oh, you know, we, we can go into that political slash philosophical discussion, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm not a proponent of making things illegal just because they are potentially um, bad. I mean, there's some there's there's just some refined sugar products that I really love, and guess what? I'm just not eating much of them. I'm eating a little bit here and there. I just had some ice cream today, and I really enjoyed it. Why not? Everything in quantity. In, in, in the right balance is is good. And sometimes we when we consume something that's not so good for the body, we're doing that because we're feeding the soul. And, and that's okay. And so I want to say to those of you out there who are um, experiencing uh, habitual issues with marijuana, don't give up. Use the techniques that I was mentioning. If you have other techniques that you think can help other people, please contact me through the website and 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 tell them to me so I can share them with other people. Um, if you have if you have specific issues that you want to ask about, um, and you need more advice, please do please do contact and ask. And there are resources to help you, like this podcast. Marijuana is a wonderful, wonderful substance. It's a wonderful plant. It can do things for us no other plant and no other medicine can do. But it is critical if we want to ensure that marijuana will be safely and successfully legalized, it's important that we'll talk about the real things that are there. And if we're going to bury our head in the sand and sand and we're going to say, no, marijuana is not addict, it's not true. As somebody who struggled with addiction to marijuana in the past, I can tell you it is addictive. It's mentally addictive. It's not, you know, physically addictive in that sense, like, you know, many other things, but it does exist. And I think Jeremy is here to attest that indeed um, this is the case. So, yeah, definitely. Um, anything else on your side, Jeremy? Oh, I uh, appreciate the conversation and being able to 
to dialogue about uh, the idea and uh, such good, wonderful, important nurturing of uh, tools and processes and what it means to be experiencing the mind and emotions. Um, I've had a lot of new thoughts about what I understand in the relationship of managing marijuana in my experience and uh, what it means to be at a new level of processing and relating with it. I think it's uh, it's been a pretty profound conversation. I appreciate you for that. And I appreciate you. I, I appreciate your candid um, sharing, and I appreciate the, the insights and the words that you've chosen. <clears throat> I also want to reaffirm, you know, something that you just said about the habit, you know, and our, our behavior patterns. The beautiful thing about the body is that we get used to a particular pattern so fast. It becomes a habit. So just like we've performed, you know, a particular set of actions that cause us to, to have a habitual behavior around marijuana, like smoking every day, if we stick to something for three weeks a month, like, for example, smoke only on the weekends, we get used to it, and it becomes easier and easier and easier. So this is just another word of encouragement to those of you out there who are interested in that type of change in your life. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for participating in Decoding Cannabis, and thank you, the listeners, for listening. This uh, this show was recorded during uh, the summer of 2000. 19 today i believe is july 16th decoding cannabis is brought to you by consciousness research institute in spokane washington to learn more go to creorg.institute that's c-r-i-o-r-g dot institute our facebook page is called how marijuana works you can tag us by using at how 420 works the music for the podcast was created by Andy Rumsey. To hear more, go to andyrumsey.com. That's R-U-M-S-E-Y.com. Or search for Andy on iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play, or Spotify. Thank you, Jeremy, for being with me today from Spokane, Washington. This is Erez Batat wishing you the best. Smoke response.
who I once be. 